Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 213, Arya 6 in A Storm of Swords. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And are you ready for another year of Girls Gone Canon? First episode of 2024. For the historians. I am so... I thought you weren't going to do it. I was like, I didn't want to remind you either. I wanted to see what happened you just for fun. see would really fire her this time. I'm like, man, 2024 already canceled. Hard life, Eliana. No, you know, I think you were innocent of these crimes. I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to perpetuate a stereotype, which might happen with Sandor Clegane later this Whoa. chapter. Whoa. 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 We are here in a storm of swords with Arya... We have Sandor Clegane on board. You know it's about to get real. In Girls Gone Canon world, you know that it's about to get thirsty and sad. <laughs> the two biggest themes for the podcast. Thirsty yeah. and sad. Yes. Critics yes. are calling it. Chloe's Critics been waiting for are... this moment for, I don't know, years? Here we are. 2024 yeah. really delivering for you. It's your year. Already. Already. It's the year of the dragon, but it can be the dog in a way, too must be must be some sort of way it's got me feeling something something dog-like i don't know animal i don't know all right guys before we jump forward to the meat of the episode the exciting shit we gotta talk housekeeping it's been a minute we're back thanks for letting us have a holiday we did it was wonderful uh many travels for both of us i'm sure you'll hear us chatting about them throughout the episodes to come this year but first there's some travels in our podcast world. Wow, this is like an Eliana segue. We have a Patreon episode coming out this month. Bonus episode, patrons in the stranger tier and above. Get these bonus episodes every month. We came out with the first part of this series last month in December. The Hunger Games, our first foray into it, the first nine chapters. And now we're on part two, the tributes. So that's coming out this month for patrons. That's uh, January's Patreon 2024 episode for patrons in the stranger tearing up and you can get that over on patreon.com slash girls gone canon other things that are happening is of course we have our discord brunch and happy hour brappy hour if you will you can access that on our patreon as well this month is going to actually be on january 21st so you still have time to catch that if you would like join us in ringing Ringing in the new year, old Lang Syne. I don't know the words to that song. And <laughs> we've also got February scheduled as well. Yeah, we're going to get back together in February on the 17th, 2-17, 2 to 4 p.m. ET. And yeah, be ours, you know, on that day, a little Valentine's Day action. We're going to, I don't know, it'll be Valentine's theme somehow. We haven't, we haven't worked all that out yet, but it'll be fun. And this is a reminder that if, if you're in the Thunder tier and above over at our Patreon, that's 10 bucks and up, you have access to Discord pretty much for life uh, and to these brunches. We're trying to get ahead of the game and put the dates out early, but it's kind of like a fun couple of hours to just chat and get to know each other. And sometimes we play some games. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just bullshit. Sometimes it goes to like one theme, like whatever's everyone's watching at the time, and we end up chatting about that or... Sometimes we get deep, sometimes we uh, do astrology, you know? Shit's fun. Yeah, sometimes we make Chloe broadcast videos of people doing, like, the Wheel of Death thing at, at Renaissance fairs. 
that was a really fun brunch. I don't yeah. care. That was really fun. That was like good. just streaming YouTube videos and all of us were like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was a blast. I've had some good times at Brappy Hour. So here's what you can expect for the rest of this month. Of course, next week, we're going to continue with Aria. We're going to do Aria 7 in A Sword of Swords. Yeah, now that we're back, you can expect Aria, Aria, Aria. I think especially now that we know there is an August launch of oh, House yes. of the Dragon. Yeah, I think Year of the Dragon. If, Year of the Dragon. The I don't House know if we're going to be... I don't know. I think we might have finished one more POV by then, but I can't tell. I haven't laid it all out. Uh, but once we get to House of the Dragon in the premiere, we will be switching over to that this year. Uh, that'll be our August, you know, our eight-episode run. Yep. So you can look forward to Hot D all the time. Yes. Every day, you're going to get the Hot D every week from us. Absolutely, because we're also in our self-care era this year. I think we had a lot of fun, you know, double-fisting uh, our, <laughs> our usual read-through with House of the Dragon during the first season. But we've grown since then. We've learned from our past and that's what it's about as eliana is wont to say she's no longer the age of catalan tully stark uh yeah you know i think i like might have gotten that wrong i'm definitely not the age of she was in the books maybe age of death unsure i'm gonna have to check again but either way um so oh my god anyway yeah no we uh we're gonna practice self-care i'm not gonna throw myself down the stairs this year <laughs> oh my god, I yeah, Hot D had us. It was crazy. And I'm sure you'll get other goodies during that time. We haven't gotten there yet. We're not even close to the second half of the year, so chill out. We are still chill waiting out. for Sailor Moon Cosmos to internationally <laughs> release. We are still waiting for the official release. God. Yes, we are. And we will be back at some point this year to wrap up Eternal Part 2 with that in mind. Yeah, I mean, all these brands, like I said, they keep putting out these collabs, and I'm like, but where's the thing? Yeah, I'm like, does that mean it's around the corner? Which I strongly believe it must be, but anyway. Well, here's to another year with you, and to you all, too. Thanks for listening, and let's jump back into Arya. I'm kind of excited. Uh, that little holiday vacation got me feeling ready to go, ready to jump into Arya's horrible world, and this is a... This is a pretty big episode we're going to talk about, so until we jump up there, in case you forgot, our lightning round is about to go down, and what happens during the lightning round is... The lightning lord. All those chapters. Yeah, the lightning lord. Oh my god, the lightning lord round today. What <laughs> happens in between the chapters we missed from Arya 5 to Arya 6, and Eliana, will you start us off with the first chapter we missed? Sure. Yeah, I accidentally spoiled myself this lightning round, and this was stuck in my head like for five minutes before we, before we hopped on this call. But John Four, it's the clam. Wow! Thank you. You You're sang welcome. that with the vibrato. I knew you would. I that <laughs> that was written for you. Thank you. I did ghostwrite that for you. Uh, <laughs> you wrote it's the climb. For me, but Miley, I, I turned it down, so you gave it to Miley Cyrus. That's really how it went. I missed you. Uh, Jamie 4. Jamie loses a hand. They reach Hall. Tyrion 4. Simeon Silvertongue blackmails Tyrion 
Tywin shows off his new swords. <sighs> Instead of like two chains, it's two swords. And, yeah. um, Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> Samwell 2. At Craster's Keep, Jayor says farewell. And that brings us here to Arya 6, A Storm of Swords, with Lightning Lord and Fire Dog. <laughs> Beneath the fire of the Lord of Light, Sandra Clegane is judged. Yeah, I'm judging you right now. What the fuck? Um, I thought it'd be fun. I, they all have elements now. I have to critique myself today because I only wrote one funny lightning round quip and like the rest of them are so fucking depressing it's like jor bleeding out dying it's like Tyrion's getting blackmailed jamie lost his hand and the whole time we had to say those with straight faces so good job good job us good we job you did it <laughs> so Arya six Arya is transported to the hollow hill with a hood on her head in darkness Ooh, that feels like it's Gonna have some sort of nods at her future plot. Mm. And she arrives at a huge fire pit, flames swirling amidst a giant endless cave. The walls are stone and soil with huge white roots snaking through them, and people are emerging from the roots to look at the captives. As Gendry's unhooded, he asks where they are, and Lem answers, a refuge from wolves and lions, an old secret place. Arya remembers the dream she had just had, and the taste of blood as she had ripped a man's arm from his shoulder. Oh, dissociative. <laughs> Very good. Very Fun. good. Things are good. Hollow Hill. Holy shit. Way to open up a year and a chapter for us. Creepy ass hill. It gives me very, it's giving Children of the Forest vibes. Mm. Uh, weirwood snaking through the walls, it sounds like. Weirwood veins. Weirwood uh, veins from the tree. And, and I don't know. It just feels important. It feels like something important maybe once even happened here, right? Like, Mm. The pact was happening all across this land. Like, this would have been er a land or area affected very much by what was happening out in the god's eye. Also, similar to the Three-Eyed Raven slash Crow, whatever. Three-Eyed Crow. The show's corrupted me. Uh, Cave description makes me think this was kind of, like, also an important, poignant place for seers or someone alike. Yeah, especially with that little throne in there, right? And... Yeah, I, it absolutely feels like this was likely used by the children of the forest, and like we we hear that maybe there are tunnels as well, and it's huge. It's probably connected to all those like caves and tunnels that we hear snake across like Westeros, maybe the whole world, Gendel and Gorn's caves as well. And mm -hmm. yeah, it does really evoke the the three eyed crow. You know, you've got this language of a thousand slow pale snakes, and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Pale, thousand, yeah, thousand eyes. Ah, ah, a thousand eyes in one. Yeah, yes. yeah. But technically this would be 2,000 if they were snakes, but whatever. Maybe they're one-eyed snakes, you know? Oh, Just like Bloodraven. Oh. One-eyed snake means something so different. Oh, yeah, shit. Oh, <laughs> God, jeez. Happy jeez. New Year. We're back. <laughs> We were getting a little too smart for my likings for a minute there. I'm glad we dumped that one down. <laughs> Greenbeard points Arya toward the fire, toward the wizard, they're calling him, who will hold all the answers she looks for. Thoros has changed. The wizard. Thoros has changed. He's not the fat, drunk, happy red priest she once knew. He's droopy. He's thin. His head is full of shaggy gray hair. She thinks he's going to come talk to her. He's looking at her, but the huntsman arrives with his captive, and Gendry and Arya are forgotten. 
And of course, we don't actually really even know this is Sandor yet. I mean, we do. We're not stupid. No, I'm just kidding. We've already read it. But we don't really know that technically, right? The big reveal is about to happen here to everyone, too. I, I don't think any, everyone thinks it's Jamie and George cuts it off. And he's like, okay, bye. Mm. So the huntsman's captive is in tow. The huntsman tells Thoro he caught this hound thanks to his dogs. And Thoro says, betrayed by his own kind. Yeah. I mean, like, even if you didn't know, I guess, right prior to it happening... They do have all those, like, dog imagery and being like, he was caught by these hounds and blah, 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 and hunted by the dogs. So, like, you you know, you know. And it also, it's kind of just fun. It's contrasted with Arya's memory of being a wolf, right? The difference between wolves and dogs and the freedom that she had in that dream. Yes, I love that. There's that line that's to come. Uh, it's in Arya 7. It's repeated in Arya 8. It turns out these are some of my favorite chapters. I don't know if you knew that. We don't have to talk about it, but I don't know if any of you knew that I like these chapters for like really obvious reasons, right? Things I'm like getting giddy and tap dancing about. Like I had to hold back from writing about the Danes today because I'm like, it's not time. We have other chapters to talk about the Danes. This will be Sandrick centric. Yeah. Yeah. But there's that great line. Nonetheless, that great line where he says, do you know what dogs do to wolves? And... I love that that line because it like suggests that like he's able to ravage and able to like terrorize and be awful and evil and he constantly is saying that but his bark is obviously much bigger than his bite is especially when it comes to those two little start girls obviously I just think it's so it's such a great line it's so threatening when he says it but then by the end of the book he's so cowed you know he's so lost and cowed and shell broken man I don't know. I love uh, I love these comparisons of wolves and dogs, but also the comparison of dogs and dogs, right? Thoreau says, betrayed by his own kind, a dog that has been cast out, like Sandor, who, you know, his dad chose his brother over him, his brother abused him, close an inch away from death, right, from dying. Mm-hmm. His brother wants him dead, his dad doesn't care enough to save his life or to be brave against his brother, so he is someone that's been cast out from his own kind. They admit it here. Definitely. Kind of like Balto, you know? He was a half dog and half wolf. Part of me wanted to react like I'm not ready for your bullshit yet <laughs> this year, but also part of me like immediately started thinking of all these dog references. I'm like, Oliver and Company. Ooh. Like, you know, just like every... Yeah, it's a good one. The it's a good one. My friends have been bringing up again. I think we even like referenced it when we were, I was on Sanri's channel of uh yeah, what's his name? Dodger, Dodger the dog and his song. Yeah, Had a great song. Yeah, Oliver and Company. So. Yeah, um, I love Oliver and Company, and we're getting off topic. We'll keep moving. We'll, we'll keep, keep moving, moving. But we'll keep moving. <laughs> I love the poodle too. She's oh, my favorite. Yes. Bernadette is that her name? Bernadette. I forgot, I but like I don't know the grip of like when she does her makeup with the one paw and swipes it. Uh, amazing iconic it stuck with me Same. my entire life i think about it every single day that i think <laughs> i think there was a toy that i really wanted it was like one of those doll kind of toys but it was a toy of her and you could actually mm. paint her nails and like with water like it like changed color with warm That's water pretty cool brilliant brilliant so Thoros rips the hood off of Sandor's head, revealing his burnt face beneath shifting flames, welcoming him to the humble hall. Sandor and Thoros go back and forth, remembering one another. Sandor used to hate Thoros' flaming sword in melee. He's about to hate stuff going on today. 
Thoros used to beat his ass <laughs> with the sword, and Thoros also used to shave his head. So they get all caught up in this, and I like how they really emphasized earlier how different Thoros looks from the man that Arya associates with that name that she saw on King's Landing and on their journeys. But Sandor, he isn't thrown off by any of that. He really sees Thoros. He recognized Thoros despite him looking so different. And going off of that, like how he's able to see Thoros despite that changed appearance. Maybe this is about Arya later on recognizing her own mother. Even though uh, Catelyn Stark looks real different now than she used to. One of those biggest differences maybe being like dead. Uh, or even Arya herself, right? Who is still herself even when her face is literally changed. Will, she, will someone be able to recognize that? I love what you've pulled together here. My actual note was really like this, bro. But um, <laughs> that's for us. That's for us, not for them. No, I'm just kidding. It can be for you guys too. I love the that like idea of seeing through, you know, glamours, seeing through people's disguises. Like even though, especially like with Jamie, just a bit mm. ago, right on the road, we know he had been disguised, his hair had been shaved, but like you could still see who he is if you look close enough. They're like, this uh, man's still of- really hot. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do he looks he still looks pretty well fed for someone on the road with fleas everywhere i yeah. don't know i don't know I, I love that for sandor too though and especially i love this idea of the type of character he is because Arya's kind of a lone wolf right now and he's a lone dog right like we said cast out of his pack and it, it seems like there's a certain amount of vision that Arya has because she's able to see things differently than many other people too you know, like the way she sees the world, she grasps it, she gets that training from Sirio, but because she listens, because she observes, she's an observer. Sandor's probably the same way, right? He's an observer. He's always been an observer, even in King's Landing when he was kind of, you know, servant knight to their house. He observed things and he couldn't comment on things. And it's kind of like him, Sansa, and Arya all have that little bit of superpower of like listening and seeing things that are there that aren't actually there. Mm, it's kind of like this idea of hypervigilance, right, that he has because he was mm-hmm. always trying to look out for what were Gregor's moods. Don't get on the bad side of your older brother or your other family members. Yeah, that's why Joffrey comes easily to him. Yeah, being able to read that. Thoros introduces him to his brothers. Lem Lemoncloak, Greenbeard, Angai, etc., Sandor asks how long they've been hiding in their little hollow hill, and they all tell, like, begin to tell him the history of where they've been, telling him to ask the leech, ask the goat, and they'll tell you where this brotherhood has been. Yeah. There's something interesting going on of, like, Sandor faces this brotherhood of just knights, just men, when technically he was in a brotherhood as well, right? He was technically Kingsguard, and he ran away from that. And Brotherhood kind of becomes this grotesque mockery of the King's Garden away, right? Transformed these men who are shadows slipping around the cave, like the Scarecrow Lord Commander of this King's Guard, basically, which is Beric. I don't know, there's some like cool language of like an undead kind of King's Guard that has no limit to how many knights can join it that are walking around saying they're dutiful and loyal to the king and all that. I guess like sparrows, you know, very good uh all these people uprising and all these knights they're making can be compared to the sparrows going on as well. True. Yeah, I think there's like a lot of overlap with the sparrows going on here, but 
also what you were calling out that's right he was part of a brotherhood the king's guard and he was like well all those people they were all false as well but even beyond that like what does brotherhood mean to a guy like sandor who's like yeah i have an actual brother and he put my face in the fire yeah it's a laughable concept for him which i love the tone of this chapter i mean this is kind of an iconic chapter in my opinion it's like a pivotal like it's one of the top i don't know what number to give it but it's a top something chapter (laughs) it's just it's giving you a little bit of everything true of the brotherhood of the history of relor aria sandor it's just got all these great concepts of chivalry and how it's fucking dead but i I just love sandor clegane (laughs) we will come back to how chloe loves sandor clegane this chapter and then again yeah, we will and again (laughs) and and again again. yeah there's something sad about barrick and everything and, and something about some of the lines and the dialogue we get from barrick around the brotherhood without banners that like you could almost imagine Arthur Dane saying them, mm. you know, in Dorne, outside of the Tower of Joy. I don't know, just something I've been spitballing. Like, it's a similar concept of the schism of the Kingsguard breaking and the Brotherhood breaking eventually is very interesting. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because the Kingsguard would have had to split between, you know, prince and king at that point. Mm-hmm, and who they support. I yeah. mean, it was a mini dance without being a mini dance, and especially when it was all starting out here in the Riverlands. Yeah, absolutely. So, out here in Hollow Hill, we have tons of people that are here to watch the trial. Some of them are swineherds, some soldiers, some men of Winterfell, of Derry, of Blackhaven. Some are knights, squires, lords, commoners. Six score of them left to bring the king's justice to Gregor, Sanders' brother, led by a young man in a black starry cloak. And that man in the black starry cloak is now here, folks. Here he is. Jesus Christ himself, Beric Dondarrion, the leader of the pack. He's here. Um, I wish he had done a musical number. That's my biggest complaint, <gasps> actually. Wow. Yes, and then he dances and then like swooshes the black starry cloak. It's a tap it's a tap dance. It's a tap dance, first mm. of all. See, I think it's like a fusion and like a modern, but we can we can chat okay, about this. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Um this would be if our first musical, our Broadway production of the rebellion goes well. We would be granted, hopefully, this as our sequel. We're in talks. We're not in talks. We're in talks. We're in talks. We're, We're in, in talk- quote talks. talks. We have this great description of Barrick. A scarecrow of a man. He wore a ragged black cloak speckled with stars and an iron breastplate dinted by a hundred battles. A thicket of red gold hair hid most of his face save for a bald spot above his left ear where his head had been smashed in. So I think all that stuff from earlier, though, preceding it of how, like, you know, yeah, some of them were swineherds. It's a good reminder that, you know, whether or not these men are in the Brotherhood or not, a lot of the soldiers in the realm, especially when it comes to wartime, I mean, they are made up of, mm. like, swineherds, tanners, singers, or masons, or whatever all these men have said they are, right? They are called to fight the Lord's battles. Like, who who cares if they're, like, specially trained soldiers or not? That's who gets called on when the time comes. And at least here, they feel some investment in this cause themselves, whether or not, you know, like, how true they are, but... Yeah, they at least see a little bit of it back, you know, in the community. I think that's, and somebody's fighting for them, 
that never happens. That's true. They usually fight for people, so at least here it's, like, real. Yeah. Something that stood out to me this read was George using the Scarecrow to describe Barrick and also calling Thoros the wizard singularly several oh, times. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely Wizard of Oz. Uh, definitely some L. Frank bomb going on here that George is referencing. And I actually do think I see it beyond just like that, jokes aside. Uh, comparing the Wizard of Oz with the Riverlands, right? Like, he's he's probably just having a bit of a laugh, but thematically, it, it fits. You can see quite a bit of Oz going on here with regards to the Brotherhood Without Banners. And at the end of the 19th century, we had kind of that collapse of populism and farmers in America. Uh, they were being basically economically fucked over, as well as facing environmental challenges like locusts and awful weather that destroyed their crop. It led to a huge rise in the People's Party and populism as farmers started to kind of push back against the banks and the railroads and seek help. And echoes of that are in the main plot in Oz and outside of Oz, right? They're seeking the wizard to fix all their problems, the president who should be able to make things right. Uh, and each of these characters kind of represents the people of America, right? You yeah. have uh, the Tin Man who's industrialism, right? The industrialist workers who have been dehumanized and mistreated and treated like nothing but machines. Uh, the scarecrow going and seeking, you know, respite because he doesn't have a brain, quote unquote. The farmers that were often looked at like hicks. I mean, that's back then it was seen that you didn't know things. You just tended your fields. You plowed your fields. And so in Oz, in the story, the Scarecrow actually ends up becoming the wisest man in all the land by the end of the story, and the brain that he gets given by the wizard is really a placebo, because he actually makes really smart decisions and is full of wisdom throughout the entire main plot. Uh, and outside of the main plot, you have Aunt Em and Uncle Henry being run out by Elmira Gulch, aka the witch, on their farm as well. So there's some interesting stuff going on here, and like the people of the Riverlands you know, the tragedy is unfolding. The fields are all burnt because of the war. The king, either king, whatever king, isn't doing anything to help them, sees them as a lost land, no longer being cared for, no longer governed under King Joffrey. Mm. There's some interesting stuff going on here in the Riverlands that kind of fits to the Wizard of Oz, and I thought it was important to call out. Yeah, I had never thought about the Riverlands and all this in, in the context of the Wizard of Oz at all, but, you know, I really like how you've tied together the economic plight of what's going on in the Riverlands with what's going on with uh, what inspired the Wizard of Oz, right? Some of those themes that are there. I actually thought you were going to be like, oh, Sandor was fighting for the lions and he needs to find courage. But what you brought up was way better. Yeah, I, I thought about that too. I actually kind of like was just sitting here thinking about it today just because I think it comes up Calling him the Scarecrow comes up like 80 times for Barrick in this chapter. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. Sandor is like, you know, the industrialism and the machine of Westeros, right? That it absorbs people and it puts them through and it digests them and spits them back out. And they're these hollow, broken men. Fits really well for the Tin Man, uh, for Sandor. Yeah. And also, we, we have a lion that needs courage. Unfortunately, he just lost a hand. He's also roaming the Riverlands. Don't worry. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And everyone still knows him because they're like, he's still hot. <laughs> I guess Arya is, you know, not in Winterfell anymore. She's not. Right? I mean, she could also be Dorothy with her new dog. 
Sandra yeah, that's what I was thinking too. In this in this version, wow, amazing! That L. Frank Baum couldn't write Sandor. That's incredible. Yeah, but there is a musical. Well, The Wizard of Oz is in the, is in and of itself a musical. Never mind. Never mind. We are going to pay homage to to the songs of The Wizard of Oz in our adaptation for Barrick's musical number. I mean, it was Broadway as of 1902 or 1903, I think, so... It is a musical, and we are Broadway as of 2025. Yeah, I mean, The Wizard of Oz came out after the Broadway, so... Oh, okay. I, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that makes sense, right? They, they usually take the Broadway thing, then turn it into a movie or whatever. Yeah, I think they probably, I don't remember how many songs were actually taken and cut and whatever, but that's a whole other episode. Whole other episode. Um, We are not making, please do not take that as us making promises that we are going to do a Wizard of Oz episode. I don't even know if it's really in our field. Like, Me neither. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Stop starting rumors, Eliana. Holy shit. So the outlaws move aside to let Beric Dondarrion in, who has lost an eye. And has a dark black ring about his neck, saying that they fight on as they can for Robert and the realm. Jack Be Lucky reminds the audience that Ned Stark sent them out, sitting the throne, but it was with Robert's voice that he did so. Sure. Sandor calls him the King of Worms now, which must be why they keep his court beneath the ground. I like this line here, though, of, um, you know, coming back to that idea of appearances of Beric Dondarrion had been handsome. Sansa's friend Jane had fallen in love with him. Even Jane Poole was not so blind as to think this man was fair. Yet when Arya looked at him again, she saw it. The remains of a forked purple lightning bolt on the cracked enamel of his breastplate. So Arya, after this whole Thoros incident, she's starting to see better now, the way that Sirio taught her. And, you know, we have we have the remains of the bolt. It's not the whole thing, just part of it. And it's it's fading, just like Beric's memory his personality, and the purpose of this group starts to fade. Yeah, and I'm just spitballing here, but I wonder if, and this comes off of, I just finished The Ninth House and Hellbent by Lee Bardugo, which was such a blast, so it's probably influencing things I'm thinking these days, you know, since we're a little book club, we're always reading, I mean, our our, our speaking here on this podcast is usually influenced by whatever the fuck we're reading lately. So I've been reading that. It's a blast. Highly recommend it. It is not in the Shadow and Bone series. It's a different series. Very fun. It's like Phantasma fiction fantasy at Yale. It's a blast. Really enjoy it. Adult. Very fun. Very dark. Wait, so is it kind of like The Magicians? It's got a little Magicians-esque to it. It's got, um, yeah, I would say that's the closest thing that you could really... Basically, it, it, you're at Yale, and all the secret societies have magic. Oh. And so, yeah, so there's a little bit of, like, some some interesting stuff going on. Okay. Um, highly recommend checking them out, though. They're, like, 400 to 600 pages tops each. Mm. Okay. And there's two of them right now. Mm-hmm. Very good, though. And it, it has me thinking, you know, and examining things differently these days. But even just the way when you describe Barrick, I was... Thinking of his eye that is now missing, now that he's lost that eye, and now he joins the eye patch men of Westeros, which most of them, it turns out, have a little bit of a seer power going on. Mm. I do think that it's likely he has some awakened seer powers, uh, and I don't know, I think like seeing death kind of unlocks some of those secrets of the world and how you see things dying 
that veil between worlds and crossing between, like, I kind of think that Beric has probably, because he's died a bajillion times, seen some shit. And I would think he's probably, like, able to see more than even, you know, Thoros through a fire. Yeah, probably. I think the catch is, like, can he remember it, you know, when he mm, when he comes mm-hmm. back each time? But what you're saying definitely makes sense, especially when you think about those archetypes of, like, Odin, right? Who mm-hmm. also, I think, right, loses an eye. Or, yep. like, his, his eye plays a big role and he dies, he's hanged, and then comes back, so. Yeah, there's definite Odin imagery going on. The, like, one-eyed all-father, right, yeah. is kind of, because, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's got all the Jesus stuff going on, too. I mean, he dies again soon. There's, yeah, there's something going on there, and, and the fall-to-fly kind of idea, right? I think of Blood mm, Raven, yeah. I think of Bran, I think of Euron. Yeah, yet another little Jedi jedi seer going on out here there's definitely something about the near-death experiences thing or actual death yeah Arya thinks as she looks at dondarian she calls him the scarecrow knight in her head and she listens to him say that they are still king's men although the kings died that they defend her westeros the hound of course laughs at that rocks and trees and rivers that's what your realm is made of do the rocks need defending Robert wouldn't have thought so. If he couldn't fuck it, fight it, or drink it, it bored him, and so would you, you brave companions. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. Outrage. <laughs> Outrage oh, at, at the Hollow Hill. That is a diss track being formed. Uh-oh. No one likes uh. being called brave companions. I mean, he's not wrong about Robert. <laughs> yeah, like, that's great that you made Robert your figurehead. Mostly because you couldn't make Ned your figurehead, but like he kind of sucked too. Yeah, Robert so. did not care. They're like, yeah, Ned spoke Robert's words. I'm like, Robert didn't give a fuck what you did. <laughs> yeah, which is, I guess, better than the alternative, but. Yeah, true. But anyway. It turns out Rhaegar might have been an okay king. Probably. Sucks. Probably. So, yeah. None of these people apparently enjoy being compared to assholes. Y'all know who the brave companions are. They instead say that they call themselves the Brotherhood Without Banners. Holy brothers, knights of the Hollow Hill. And so Sandor, of course, sneers at that, telling them that they're the sorriest lot of outlaws and broken men that he's ever seen. Beric reminds him that, no, any knight can make a knight. And every man here has been knighted, dubbed with a sword, a forgotten fellowship. Barrett calls them. Sandor tells- Irresponsible also. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, oh, yeah, you're a knight now. You're a knight now. Just giving like, it all Like, line out. up, take a number. What is this? Joanne's Fabrics? Oh my god. Yeah, I, I, it also- I mean, I get- I completely get where Sandor's coming. He's like, what the fuck? Sandor tells them to either kill him or be done with it. They took his horse, his sword, his money, and now he has to listen to their garbage sermon- but instead, they decide to list the crimes that they think Sandor did, like raping girls of six and seven at the Mummer's Ford and Sharer, which Sandor was at none of these things. Yeah, like he has crimes, but let's focus on the real ones here, guys. The real ones. Yeah. We have a back and forth with uh, some of these crimes. Do you deny that House Clegane was built upon dead children? I saw them lay Prince Aegon and Princess Rhaenys before the Iron Throne. By rights, 
Your arms should bear two bloody infants in place of those ugly dogs. The hound's mouth twitched. Do you take me for my brother? Is being born Clegane a crime? Oof. I love this back and forth of all these, like, assigning him these crimes, because I think it's likely, yes, his generation of House Clegane was very much built on dead children, and not just Rainey's and Aegon, uh, his sister, right? Like, there is absolutely no reason that George decided to make the Clegane sister a mystery unless we should feel that Gregor killed her, or Sandor accidentally killed her, or Sandor witnessed her death, or something, right? Like, there has to be some tragedy underlying that. We're literally told that in the very first book, that there's some sort of tragedy underlying House Clegane that no one knows about, but they pretty much think it had to do with Gregor. Uh, and then, of course, there's Sandor's face that, that speaks for that as well. It's devastating to think that at, like, 12 years old, he was sent off to go start training to be in war for House Lannister, and that was the safest place he could go, because otherwise it was just waiting for his brother to come home and murder him. Exactly. Brotherhood doesn't mean anything to him. Brotherhood means danger. And it's actually kind of interesting, like, this... this back and forth as well in that it's kind of Tyrion at the Vale, right? They're like, mm. hmm, these are all your fault. And he's like, I literally had nothing to do with any of these. And <laughs> yeah, like I was getting down at the brothel. <laughs> yeah, like the do you take me for my brother, right? And it's the series exploring again and again this theme of like, yeah, one's family, the family you come from provides context for who you are and who you become. But that's not indicative of you being exactly like all your other family members. Like, people are not interchangeable within one family. That's a great point. And, like, the sins of the fathers, sins of the family. Exactly. All of it. Are you responsible for the entire sin of a house? And what is a house, right? I think that's an interesting idea of, like, the family unit in Westeros and what it stands for. Like, I think about, I don't know, even, like, Kevin Lannister. It's important what he does for House Lannister. Tywin views that as, like, if you fuck up, brother... I'm not going to be happy with you, but if you keep it up, then good. You keep the house name. And I'm like, dude, I don't look at my uncle like that. Yeah. You know, I don't view my family in that way of like, it's a very, um, it's a heavy way to have to hold people to. And like, it ruins those family bonds or it makes them very fragile and very raw and breakable. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, people can't be appreciated for who, for who they are, right? Tyrion is seen as a boy solely for the way that he looks. Right. Yeah, the Westerosi family unit is like literally abusive at its very core in the systemic way. Like, there's no way it can't be. Yeah, as opposed to learning to, you know, kind of accept people as they are different and loving them for who they are, which I think is kind of why it's fun that you have all the Stark siblings, except for Rickon and, and now Rob, of course. Well, we never had a Rob POV, but like you get to see how different each of them are and the different perspectives that they have, even if they all share that family bond and name. I mean, we had a Rob POV, so... Yes, that's right. We had a Rob POV, which we did release. Yeah, you've probably listened to it by now. I hope you have. It's a fun episode. It's a long episode, but it's fun. It's fun. I'm like, don't be saying we didn't, because we, as in you and me, did, but everyone else didn't. But not we from George, but in a way, maybe, kind of. Okay, more crimes. (laughs) More crimes. They accuse him of murdering Lord Lothar Mallory, Gladden Wilde, Jack the Lucky's siblings, and a bunch of other people, people from Fieldstone, Mousetown, Mousetown, sorry, and all sorts of people. Everyone's just naming names at him, and Sandra's like, who the fuck are these people? And I'm also like, who the fuck are these people? He just goes, 
You're making noise. These names mean nothing. Who were they? People, said Lord Beric. People, great and small, young and old, good people and bad people, who died on the points of Lannister spears or saw their bellies opened by Lannister's swords. It wasn't my sword in their bellies. Any man who says it is, any man who says it was, is a bloody liar. But Sandor serves the Lannisters, they say, so he is guilty of their crimes. I feel like there's an argument to be made of you are complicit in the system and holding someone guilty for all the crimes of that of their that thing, you know? It Do does you know say a lot about and I think you have some good stuff to come. No spoilers, just teasing. But like obviously we're not quite at the schism yet, but there will be a schism when this group of people splits. Just like we said with that Kingsguard, mm. there'll be like a schism. It'll split off because people can no longer follow what it stands for. And these are some of the warning signs of like, okay, I know that you guys have started small. So you're trying to really go big with your accomplishments. But like, how is this helping by killing someone for all of the crimes of a Lannister army that, spoiler alert, they think he was just out there with them, hacking away at people when Sandor's been on the run since the Blackwater. Yeah. And I mean... You know, his family did, like, as you were saying, his family is built on these things, like, he was raised, like, in a system that absolutely killed the little kids and shit, but at the same time, mm -hmm. I'm like, why is that, like, the thing that he's on the stand for, all these random-ass people's names? So, anyway, we'll get to that more. Yeah. Back to some of the great dialogue and passages from this chapter. I had to include this all. It's just so good. So good. <sighs> Um. <clears throat> <laughs> Clegane spat. Might be your knights after all. You lie like knights. Maybe you murder like knights. Tondarian raised a hand for silence. Say what you mean, Clegane. A knight's a sword with a horse. The rest, the vows, and the sacred oils of the lady's favors. The silk ribbons tied round the sword. Maybe the sword's prettier with ribbons hanging off it, but it'll kill you just as dead. Well, bugger your ribbons and shove your swords up your arses. I'm the same as you. The only difference is I don't lie about what I am. So kill me, but don't call me a murderer while you stand there telling each other your shit don't stink. You hear me? This is the year I go, EGOT. Thank you. Uh, the crowd goes wild. That is some of the best writing right there. I just have to, I gotta reiterate, the rest, the vows, and the sacred oils, and the ladies' favors, their silk ribbons tied round the sword. Maybe the sword's prettier with ribbons hanging off it, but it will kill you just as dead as there ever been. Better thematic writing. George, my God. It's just so good. That is just so... Damn. Damn. Yeah. I... It's interesting that you... That those are the... I mean, yes, those lines are great, but for me, I don't know why. I just love the part of, like, don't call me a murderer while you stand there telling each other that your shit don't stink. Cause oh, yeah, I love that, too. I do love that, too. Absolutely. They're just pot, meat kettle, kettle, black. 
<laughs> Sorry. But that's what it's like, you know. But actually, though, Poppy Kettle. This podcast is canceled. Podcast? Uh, oh. Uh, that must exist already. Anyways. Um. Yeah, there's a lot of... I don't know, there's some really great stuff going on here, right? Of tying silk ribbons to knighthood, ladies' favors to men who once would have been knights like Jane and Sansa too, a Game of Thrones, in love with Beric Dondarrion. But Beric's dead, and so is the Hound, and both of them will die again. Get ready. Bringing Sandor and Beric especially to face one another, these two men that are really similar in their place in Westeros in legend, right? When you think about it, uh, they're men that disappear and die, or they're seen by people even though they died. For the Hound, that's more than just him, uh, the Gravedigger, the Hound Helm being passed around by so many other people to come, that's kind of being etched out here in this chapter already. And that dynamic of being a knight, Sandor rejects being a knight in theory and in choice, refusing to be called one, running away as an outlaw, but yet he still tends to keep some of those values of being a knight. And Beric takes that name of knighthood, but he breaks away from the societal values, right, from the kingdom to do so and breaks some of those values to do so and will continue breaking some of those values as he goes along as the humanity fleets. Uh, drawn by the silk ribbons, that lady's favor that Sandor's never had, that Beric did, right? Sandor is, I mean, the whole thing is he's the beast. He's the phantom of the opera, which is a song of ice and fire. Um, Beric threw away having the handsomeness, the favor, the lady's favor, the handsomeness, the knights, the jousting, the life in the name of justice. He chose to go on Ned's word and to uphold justice. And there's also that great difference that Sandor was not commanded to bring justice to the Riverlands. He wasn't given a noble duty. He wasn't given a chivalrous task to rise to. He was given directions to kill a kid on a lie. There are two different commands issued by royalty. Barrett got to follow the Ned path, right? The rules and do the right thing that Sandor could never have that path to do. He was always set on a path of immorality. He was dealt that awful hand. Uh, I think that's interesting when you look at like what happens here that Barrett was commanded to go do this and take a team to bring Gregor to justice by Ned, who stepped in for the king. But Sandor, his whole life, has been commanded to be by Joffrey's side and to take the prince's command and do whatever the fuck he wants, and soon the king's. Yeah, it's very much like how the... I mean, you were talking about the Kingsguard earlier, right? And Sandor refuses to become, like, a knight, but the, the Kingsguard are seen by many to be, like, the epitome of knighthood, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Beric was just some... He was just some knight, and they sent him out. He wasn't, like there at the highest station and you reach the highest station of the king's garden essentially what you are is glorified thug right you are the bodyguard mm -hmm. and the hitman or whatever of the royal family all the chivalry as you said is stripped from it yeah systemic like you said too you know it all stems from like who your boss is how you behave how you act i mean barristan is a very different story obviously he comes from like generations of generations of this is just too far mm. and he quit out of his honor but sandor had a breaking point too yeah and i mean i guess Beric did too he's like i don't want to follow that system as you said right they're they're great mirrors mm -hmm. to each other in a way too i mean yeah there's a lot of probably there's a lot of damage to Beric's face 
as well. And and as you said, <laughs> right, he he breaks from the system of like how Westerosi knighthood is set up, creates his own because in a lot of ways the chivalry of Westerosi knighthood is tied literally to the faith of the seven. And he's like, we got a new faith now. That's true, actually. Now that you say that, I forgot about the religious choice being kind of affecting there too. And back back to Sandor Clegane. There's a soundbite. When you think about him, you know, and like... When you think about him. When I think about him. <laughs> no, I, I think there's something like... Sandor, you know, the isolation of being that sworn sword to Joffrey and eventually mm. elevated to the King's Guard and that isolation from his family and that he knows his father won't stand up for him against his brother because his father doesn't want to fucking die and that Gregor will always be able to bully him and to hurt him and abuse him and that he's always going to be afraid of him and fire. Like, all of those things compounding and the isolation. It's interesting that Barrett goes out with men that become, and, be, and gets more men even that all these men that are loyal to Beric and loyal to the cause that they serve, whether R'hllor, whether not, but then obviously once you see a fucking miracle, you got to follow Jesus, you know? I mean, that's just how it fucking yeah, works. I guess I, come- if I saw... Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably do it too. Like, I fucking get it, you know? My God. Uh, yeah. And then fucking Catelyn, like, Jesus. Jesus again. Jesus is a woman. Jesus wept. But... Back to Sandor. Uh, but yeah, like Sandor is isolated and like he has to be on the run in survival and like he doesn't make those bonds. He doesn't have those bonds. He's never been allowed to make those bonds and he's never like had gotten to make them because of the way his life was even before. Like he never went past the me stage. You know, he's isolated. He's very like he would never understand that that's what him and Arya's whole thing is as they get together on the road, as they paper sun it. It's you know, learning that you to be able to take care of another person. His sister was probably the closest thing he would have had to taking care of another person in his life, and that was taken away for two. Absolutely. He doesn't understand these kinds of institutions. He's kind of a lone wolf, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Woof, woof. But all that being said, Arya does know someone that Sandor did murder, and she comes out of nowhere and she's like, You killed Micah! He murdered her friend, a butcher's boy, cut him in half. And of course, the Hound could almost die laughing because Arya is alive. He's like, LMFAO, they're all looking for you. That's so funny. And I think it's kind of, it's kind of uh, pointed that he recognizes Arya from that accusation. He doesn't even see her. He knows who, who this is just from the accusation. And there's, there's also something here that's kind of interesting of like both saying to each other that the other person is dead, right? Because mm-hmm. that is a part of both of their stories, killing an old version of themselves, maybe, uh, to become a new one. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. That's interesting. The old them can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because they're dead. <laughs> uh, I also want to read out this copy, how the Lord intended it to be read, because Eliana didn't want to read it. I just, it's not, it wasn't written for me, you know? I just know that. And then you took it, so that's why I'm I'm going to do it justice for us all. It's okay. I was just moving our podcast along. (laughs) Nope, now I'm, this is important to me. Of course, the Hound could almost die laughing because Arya's alive. He's like, LMFAO, they're all looking for you. Oh my god, that's so funny. Damn, girl, hey. <laughs> that is that is how you read that line, that note. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me have this moment. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So Sandor shrugs and he's like, I was Joffrey's sworn shield and the boy attacked a prince of the blood. But Arya begs to differ, revealing it was I, Arya, <laughs> who attacked the prince, not Micah. But the narrative had already been given. Can't go back. Micah did it. So Micah is who Clegane killed. And Sandor reminds her, hey, I was following orders and your sister said the same thing. That girl sang about that same exact story. Like, don't don't look at me. I guess I never really thought about it. But yeah, how would he have known? Right? Like, how would he have known? They told him Micah attacked Joffrey and then they said, go kill him. Like, Sansa's lie at the time, too, was somewhat to protect Arya. Not that Sandor would have killed Arya, but who knows? You know, Snow White huntsman plot in the woods. But Joffrey, you know, maybe would have ordered even his second execution of the book. He's a little he's a little wildfire IRL reincarnate, right? Right there in that book. He's crazy. No one knows what Joffrey's going to do. But I never thought about it. Like, how would Sandor know? I mean, he wouldn't. And also, it's I don't even know if it's like to protect Arya, right? It's protecting Joffrey's masculinity because you can be going out there yeah. and be like the little girl attacked the prince and ended up like yeah. this. So it's PR. It's PR. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think that's the thing, right? Like when we're talking about the complicity in these crimes, mm-hmm. he is guilty of being like I was just following orders, which we condemn in Barristan, and we can condemn that for this too. But yeah, we got, yeah, that's true. That's we have more on that. Arya, Arya also has her thoughts on that too as we go on. Because mm-hmm. right now she's furious at Sansa all over again, calling her a liar, saying that what she said wasn't even true. Meanwhile, Thoros and Beric chat to the side and return to the Hound, telling him that only the Lord of Light can bring judgment, and that he sentences him to a trial by combat. That if he can prove his innocence by the blade. To let him go, and Arya's like, "No, you idiots! He's gonna go free. He's really—that's the thing he's good at, fighting." <laughs> and the Hound is also like, "So true!" and laughs a long, rasping laugh, asking who their champion will be. Uh, yeah, but then Jesus steps forward. It's Beric who's going to be the champion, and with no armor, only his sword. Beric commands Ned which startles Arya. She's like, what, my dad? Uh, but no, it's Edric Dane, 12 years old. What up? It's your boy, Edric, probably <laughs> hanging out somewhere he shouldn't be, to remove his breastplate. And when he pulls the steel off of Beric, the quilting beneath it falls away. It's rotten with age and sweat. Ugh. And Beric's sweat? body, I guess, I don't know, right? And Beric's body is revealed. Sexy, <laughs> sexy, gaunt, ill, dying jesus there he is he's got a bunch of scars like where lance went through where he died a bajillion times you know oh that's so strong got a lot of coated. oh my god that is bella's coated a little so yeah speaking of does he sweat like i guess obviously my guess i think we've seen like maybe maggots and stuff can still bury in flesh and eat mm-hmm. it but i'm like does being undead staunch infection yeah i i I was thinking a little of that too, right? Like of the body chemistry and makeup changing, you know, like John fertility uh, discussion of if he'll be able to knock someone up after he's, you know, undead, you know, John babies. That's usually the biggest everyone wants to talk about whoever John's going to have babies with. My God. I'm just kidding. I don't care. It's almost like he's a woman. Uh, Like who's going to breed John Snow? Yeah, right. Um, 
Jon Snow breeding kink. 2024. Is that anything? I don't know. <laughs> Welcome. Happy New Year. Got Things were getting too serious around here, so... I don't know. Yeah, just like, you know, along the lines of that functionality, like other functionality, like the proto-molecule, you know, just mm-hmm. like, is it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. What's going on? How much does it change as it becomes undead? Lots to think about. More to think about to come. Yeah. Arya also has stuff to think about. Like, she's wondering if the Hound is afraid of Jesus and all his wounds. Watching them all get prepped with their sword belts. We have a line of, Arya wanted him to be scared before he died, as scared as Micah must have been. Thoros asks Sandor if a dog has honor, and I'm like, yes, every dog has honor. Duh. Have you ever met a dog? God. Every dog goes to heaven. Every dog, all dogs go to heaven. Masterpiece of a film. every single one. All of them. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, unless he decides to cut his way free of here, or sees some child as a hostage. So he commands the archers to feather him if he decides to bolt. I love this, and it's like, don't give him ideas, right? Like, oh my god. Bestie, no. Love the stolen child language, though. Nice, yes. He steals Arya later as hostage. He's like, ooh, money hostage. These people are not serious people. I am taking Arya Stark. And it reminds me also a little bit of Lyanna taken as hostage from the Riverlands, Mm. quote-unquote, when we get there next chapter. So much to think about, much to think about as we enter uh, these beautiful passages coming up of dialogue. Yes. Finally, Thoros says a prayer before they begin. Lord of light, look down upon us. All around the cave, the Brotherhood without banners lifted their own voices in response. Lord of light, defend us. Lord, Lord of light, protect, protect us, us in the darkness. In the dark. Lord of light, shine your face us. upon us. Light your flame among us, R'hllor said the red priest. Show us the truth or falseness of this man. Strike him down if he is guilty and give strength to his sword if he is true. Lord of light, give us wisdom. For the night is dark, the others chanted, Harwin and Angai loud as all the rest, and full of terrors. This cave is dark too, but I'm the terror here. I hope your god's a sweet one, Don Darian. You're going to meet him shortly. They met. They met a lot of times. They're so. They're so close. They're besties. They're besties. It's real. <laughs> Bear cuts his hand though with the sword, and then the sword takes fire. Pretty sick. Uh, the hound curses Beric and Thoros to the seven hells. Lord Beric himself waited, silent, calm as still water, his shield on his left arm and his sword burning in his right hand. Kill him, Arya thought. Please, you have to kill him. Quick call out of the calm as still water, right? Like Arya being like, oh, mm-hmm. Beric's embodying those lessons I learned. Yeah, interesting, right? Seeing without seeing. You kind of have to if you're fighting the Hound, yeah. also. Yeah. Makes me think of Oberyn and... Gregor in this book as well. Oh, now that I say that it, that is in this book. Mm-hmm. It's a good parallel, I guess. <clears throat> speaking of that, Both battles. Speaking of that, like this battle begins, and Arya's watching the flames, and asks Gendry, "Is it wildfire?" But he says, "No, it's different. This is magic," which is true. The hound is driven back, and the shouts are heard around the circle, watching, like, "At him! At him! He's yours!" And one of the lines, actually, of the earlier damage done to the Clegane shield is about like a painted dog losing its head and i'm like hmm so gregor 
Yeah, but you called that out. That had me. I was like, what the fuck? That's so fucking good. Because that is what happens to Gregor eventually there. Yeah, I don't you know, know whose head is there. Who, whose head? We don't know. We don't know what's up. In, well, what are you talking about? That's a totally different person. I'm sorry, yes, that is Sir Robert Strong. Sir Robert Strong? He's new here. <laughs> he moved here from... Imagine Mean Girls, the plot of Mean Girls with Sir Robert Strong. <laughs> It's so funny that, like, Cersei's so delusional that she had to, like, create her boyfriend. She's like, oh my god, like, Rhaenyra's ex-boyfriend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. So there's something very... The dynamic here is kind of fucked up. Because, like, <laughs> everyone who isn't Sandor knows that this trial is not about to be fair. Because this is like going to a comedy show, but you're the only person who hasn't been told it's a magician comedy show. <laughs> like, it's kind of fucked up and worse, because there's, like, you know, damage be happening to you but like sandor thinks yeah right like also like it's violent it'll it's probably worse than that i guess sandor thinks this is going to be a regular old trial by combat right he's like i'm the terror you're going to die etc etc but like when we see sandor a couple of the first times we learn about his tragic childhood right like that's sandor's big fucking thing in agot we're being shown that it's westeros's worst kept secret that (laughs) The Cleganes are fucked up, right? So them, also, like, the fact that the people know this is a trial by Relor's light, quote-unquote, that's so fucked up. And also, Sandor doesn't really know much about Relor slash doesn't believe much in magic, really, or is doesn't seem open to it, right? He's, like, a depressed alcoholic. He is just trying to survive his PTSD, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he doesn't really have time to, like, worry or care about magic. He's, like, more like, where am I going to sleep? I need to find beer. He doesn't know Relor. He's busy trying to avoid fire and feel nothing at all, all, at all times, all the time. All of his energy goes into survival. So it's what makes that like childlike bit from Arya of please let this horrible villain die so bittersweet because it's something that she doesn't quite understand the complexity of, but she's on the brink of understanding, right? Like it, she's starting to understand the complexity of some of these situations as she, you know, ages into a 40 year old woman before our eyes. Just kidding, but she's, you know, internally, she's like 90 now. As soon as she gets, like, to dance, I would say she's 97 years old. Mm -hmm. She's seen some shit. Mm -hmm. But it's all there, this new learning, like, this new understanding of people and why they make the choices they make. And she can't quite pull herself to kill him at chapter's end, nor when she leaves at book's end. And I think there's something interesting here, like, that whole, the uh, unfair unfair dynamic that like everyone obviously knows that it's about to be a trial by fire and Sandor does not know like that's not very fair that's kind of a fucked up way to punish this person for their crimes to prove their innocence like I don't know it's it is unfair but part of me kind of almost thinks like they didn't like as you said worst kept secret but I think like because Sandor's so good at putting on this persona of bravado right of nothing's gonna scare me Mm -hmm. like and playing brave, I almost am like they didn't know it was gonna fuck him up like that psychologically as badly. You know, I think everyone's kind of surprised that it, like the way Arya is surprised. She's like, wait, wait, what? He has trauma. Like bro, feel him? shit. Yeah. yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Because I mean, you're not supposed to have emotions or fears or feelings, especially amongst like to be big, masculine, mad mm-hmm. in Westeros. So, well, and that's part of it too—the masculinity, right? Like. I think of all these men that would have been at tourneys and at events in King's Landing and like come and seen Sandor and seen Gregor and like talked shit and been around and heard the gossip. Like 
Sandor, that's why he has that bravado, to your point. So, like, he's not allowed to be weak because then his brother wins. There's a lot of that Aaron and Euron dynamic going on there as well. Ooh, yeah. Great call Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the masculinity of it all is fucked up, too. Yeah, but you're right. It it is, like, an inside joke. Everyone's like, we got magic! But you're Mm -hmm. right, it is a magic show, but literal magic now, and when was Sandor going to worry about, is magic real or not? Most of the people don't, because most of the people are like, I don't know. Probably not anymore. Yeah, yeah most of them are adults who have to, like, you know, survive and get some money to pay their taxes. Yeah, they're all on their Maester Lewin thing. You know, they're like, I don't know, maybe I thought magic was real once, but big sad, it's not. <laughs> now I'm old as shit, and I'm waiting to die. <laughs> so, Beric also edges Sandor. Huh. This is one of Chloe's lines. Chloe's writing the, the fanfic as we speak. Um, closer to the fire pit, and Sandor gives ground until he feels the heat. Arya watches the whites of his eyes as he bulls forward, desperate to get away from the flames, and, you know, more on white, white biology. Beric moving quickly and seemingly untired, right? Like, it's, they're all like, wow, this is remarkable how he doesn't seem to fatigue like, so does this mean that the Fire Whites also don't fatigue in battle, same as, like, the Ice Whites? Because the Ice Whites mm. don't. And maybe that's the case, because Mel does say she doesn't, Melisandre does say that she doesn't feel hunger or the need to sleep, so maybe. I think of Cold Hands, too, who mm, might true. not necessarily be, but, you know, we don't who know, knows, but we don't know some sort of is. Ice yeah. White. Some sort of Ice White yeah. that Bran has reanimated. Probably. <laughs> His hair is stuck to his face in a sheen of wine sweat. Arya realizes, remembering he was drunk when they captured him. He's sent staggering, and Arya thinks he's going to die, and Sandor ends up on one knee, jerking his shield up just in time to protect his head from Beric's sword. His shield splinters, and Gendry hushedly tells Arya it's on fire. We get a line. The flames had spread across the chipped yellow paint, and the three black dogs were engulfed. Wow, symbolism. Amazing. Wow. wow, George, wow. wow. <laughs> Sandor fights his way back to his feet, but the fire roars near his face, and he hacks savagely on the broken oak of his shield, splintering it, and then Greenbeard shouts, Finish him! And Arya and the rest shout, Guilty! Kill him! Guilty! And just as Beric goes to end him, the hound raises his sword and brings it crashing down. Beric blocks the cut, but his sword snaps in two, and... You know, like, this fire, like, even if it's magic, cannot be good for the structural integrity of the swords. Anyways, and Sandor's sword <coughs> lands at Beric's shoulder, cleaving him down to the breastbone. The blood comes out in a hot, black gush, and Sandor jerks backwards, still on fire. He flings his shield remnants off, rolling in the dirt to smother the fire on his arm, which is what you should all do if you ever catch on fire. Remember, everyone, stop, drop, and roll. Oh my god. There's something there, too. It could just be the prose that George is calling his blood black, gushing blood. But, like, it might be the poor lighting, obviously. But also, like, if it is, I don't know if it's just an exaggeration, but also that it's black because he's undead. Oh, no, I think it is. Because, like, it's supposed to be, I think George has said, right, in an interview, like, the blood is, doesn't really flow. So, like, it's dead Mm -hmm. and congealed and... Yeah. Yeah, and black and dark and whatever. I don't know, but it, it, it felt yeah. 
when you said that, I was like, ooh, like obsidian, you know, the mm. color of obsidian. I was thinking cooked cooked blood stew, but yeah, sure, that too. Ugh, congealed. Mm, but sounds kind of good too it's at the same time. We um, don't congeal it. But anyways, it's it's black. Blackened. Yeah. I was talking to you about it recently. Anyway. <laughs> Beric bleeds into Hollow Hill where the flames crackle around them, dying once more. Definitely took note that, you know, he's dead in that cave, but his blood is feeding the weirwood in the Ooh. walls. And the weirwood's probably like, this mm-hmm. is gross. This is rotten blood. <laughs> I have refined tastes. Uh. <laughs> uh. Arya could only think of Micah and all the stupid prayers she'd prayed for the hound to die. If there were gods, why didn't Lord Beric win? She knew the hound was guilty. Please, Sandra Clegane rasped, cradling his arm. I'm burned. Help me. Someone, help me. Please. Arya looked at him in astonishment. He's crying like a little baby, she thought. I am too. Oh my god, isn't that awful? It's terrible. It's such a short, like, amount, like, lines within this path. <laughs> Within this chapter. Yeah. It's really powerful, that contrast. Uh, And, like, through her eyes, too, especially because she's, like, learning empathy as a child, you know, learning how to empathize with people. Like, the the journey you go on from the beginning of the chapter of her being like, fuck him, kill him, in the middle of the chapter, like, kill him. And then, like, you get to the end, and then, like, he's, like, sobbing from the fire, and then the very end, Barrick here, as we, we're going to do it soon, as Barrick says, you know. Feel bad for him, bitch. He is in hell every day. Yeah. Terrible and sad. Sandor's trauma and this scene. I mean, my favorite artwork by Boo Bug of Sandor with like the shadows of a child on the wall. And it's like the PTSD from when he was a child. It's like, it's just horrible. This is what broke him during the Battle of the Blackwater. You know, this is the straw that broke his back finally then. It's hard to be around and everything is on fire constantly all the time, and it does not look like the forecast for fire in Westeros is going down any day soon. Yeah. I think of, like, is this the exact words that he used to, like, when it happened, when Mm -hmm. that first burn happened, and he's, like, saying, help me, someone help me. And you think, like, Mm -hmm. was his family all around him and no one helped him? Yep, exactly. Big sad. And Gregor just pushed harder right into the fire grate, just harder. Yeah. And his mom's dead, sister gone, dad weak, Yeah, not brave, scared. Well, these strangers help him. <sighs> yeah. Thoros commands Meli to see to Sandor's burns, even though he really wants his mommy, and calls for Lem and Jack and Ned to help him with Beric. They carry Beric to a fire pit in the darkness of one of the tuttles, and Thoros and Ned follow, which, of course, they have done this before. So we'll let them go off with their professionalism on it, you know? They know what they're doing, bringing him back. They got a whole entire routine. Yep. Meanwhile, the Mad Huntsman wants to take Sandor back in a cage, or to a cage, and Arya agrees. He murdered Micah! Greenbeard calls her a very angry <laughs> squirrel. And Harwin says, Relor, who Arya does not know. She's like, I do not know that girl. Who is Relor? Uh, Harwin says, Relor has judged Sandor innocent. Arya yanks Greenbeard's dagger from its sheath and spins away before he can catch her. And she runs, flying past Greenbeard toward where Tom Sevenstrings and Melly are patching Sandor up. And we have a closing passage. When his eyes met hers, his mouth twitched. You want me dead that bad? Then do it, wolf girl. Shove it in. 
It's cleaner than fire. Clegane tried to stand, but as he moved, a piece of burnt flesh sloughed right off his arm, and his knees went out underneath him. Tom caught him by his good arm and held him up. His arm, Arya thought, and his face. But he was the hound. He deserved to burn in fiery hell. The knife felt heavy in her hand. She gripped it tighter. You killed Micah, she said once more, daring him to deny it. Tell them, you did, you did. I did, his whole face twisted. I rode him down and cut him in half and laughed. I watched them beat your sister bloody too, watched them cut your father's head off. Lem grabbed her wrist and twisted, wrenching the dagger away. She kicked at him, but he would not give it back. You go to hellhound! She screamed at Sandra Glegane in helpless, empty-handed rage. You just go to hell! Yes, said a voice, scarce stronger than a whisper. When Arya turned, Lord Beric Dondarrion was standing behind her, his bloody hand clutching Thoros by the shoulder. Wow. 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 What a badass chapter. Like, that is a sad- like, George R. R. Martin knew what he was doing with this one, and I don't know, if I wrote this chapter, I'd be feeling myself. Let George finish his blunt. Yeah, this is- this is that chapter. What a great setup. This boom, 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 dead alive at the end. That's so... <sighs> cunty. Yeah, I just fucked up idea, though, just now you're like, let George finish his blunt, and then he, like, has his magic blood- then he lights his blunt. Wow. That's it. Magic blunt. Magic blunt. Blunt with blunt. wildfire. Yeah. That seems wasteful. Mm, true. Um, but anyway. So I like how the ending of this calls back to, of course, one of the earliest lessons that Ned gives his sons, but not his daughters. Um, if you would take a man's life, you owe it to him to look into his eyes and hear his final words. And if you cannot bear to do that, then perhaps the man does not deserve to die. And Arya... I mean, she hears what are presumably the Hound's final words, you know, the first time around, mm -hmm. and cannot look him in the eyes and do it. <sighs> yeah, that's the first time, too. You know, like, that's what's crazy is the arc from here, that she can't do it this time nor the next time. Yeah. And it's kind of a first for her on her list, right? To be faced with the opportunity to murder the shit out of someone and choose not to do it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she's she's done it before in the past, but I guess it's the hearing their lines or, I don't know, seeing the humanity in the person that you're going to have to have to kill. And I think that's such a big part of what this chapter is about, right? Part of what you're saying is mm -hmm. why it's so great. It's about that duality inside of us, the greys inside of us, inside of you. Yeah, that learning dogs. to empathize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's being able to distinguish between the dogs between the lines you know mm -hmm. the the chihuahua and the golden retriever oh inside god. of you oh my god i don't know if those are the dogs that would those be inside are the of dogs. me <laughs> inside all yours of us. would be like a you would have like a corgi i would definitely have a chihuahua yeah i guess a chihuahua and a corgi or something yeah uh. the, so not a lot of span there huh um uh I'm like, I'm out here like a St. Bernard and like an Australian Shepherd. I feel like those kind of have similar vibes, though. Well, I don't know. An Australian Shepherd does not. Like, Australian Shepherds seem more, let's herd the sheep. They are fun. St. Yeah, Bernards they... are more like, we're going <laughs> to, St. Bernards are more like, we're going to save the people. 
It's this like when so I play fun. click click vibey games. Like I'm so Saint Bernard. I'm not Saint Bernard about it. I'm very um, Australian Shepherd. I'm like, yeah, click 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 click. Give me my dopamine. I'm a I'm an Australian Shepherd. Here I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very me. Very me. Those are the two dogs inside me. Mm. Let us know what the two dogs yeah. inside you are. Yeah, please send yeah, us emails. We'd love to hear. We've got a lot of we got a lot yeah. of dog chapters coming up. You know, got a lot of hound chapters. I guess we should have said you know one of the dogs inside of Sandra Clegane is the hound. What's the other? What is the other? What kind of hound? There are also so many different kinds of hounds. Anyways, yeah, he's like giant black Labrador basset hound, and also like oh yeah ah ooh sad old hound. What what kind of uh-huh. hounds? I don't know. Anyways. Well, this is the first of many episodes where I will get to be devastated about Sandor Clegane, and I'm so glad that you all were here to witness it. Sandor Clegane from here on out. That's it. You might think that we'll uh, continue Arya's chapters after the Sandor chapters, but we are actually going to just restart the Arya-Sandor chapters after we get there. Oh my god. You know, like a skip and a record. Exactly. Exactly. We're stuck in, you know, Groundhog Day is just around the corner. (laughs) <laughs> well this is our gift to you for groundhog day uh man no i'm glad to be back this felt good i missed you all i missed you eliana Me? uh even <laughs> even with your poor behavior today i don't even remember great. what you did but there were times there were times that was so good i well i didn't read the line as emphatically as you would have liked me to and for that I, oh well you don't need to talk about that i'm just rusty <laughs> i'm just rusty you know I'm getting back into Strike it. one of 2024. Oh uh, never forgive. No, I'm just kidding. I don't give a fuck. Uh, never thanks for listening. Forget. 2024 never. give. 2024 get. Yeah, so this was a blast. We will be back for Arya 7 next week. I hope you all had a wonderful new year and are ready to kick into Arya Overdrive with us. Hey, Eliana, where can they find us on social media? Yeah. We have social media. If you like, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash girlsgonecanon. That's C-A-N-O-N. Or you can also find us on Blue Sky at that long-ass URL they got it. But just search Girls Gone Canon. Again, C-A-N-O-N. Or, of course, you can send us an email with some of your thoughts. And, I mean, we just said, let us know the two dogs inside of you. That's that's something you can email us with. Girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. And... If that's not enough, you can find us over at Patreon, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, C-A-N-O-N. Hey, stranger tier and above $5 and up get special episodes, bonus episodes monthly. And uh, that includes our Hunger Games series that we've been releasing. And our patrons are also going to tell you a little bit more about what you can get over at our Patreon right here, right now, and where to find us. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And by joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun, and 
you won't regret it. Thanks again for listening. Excited to be back. Eliana, don't ruin it. Uh, As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana. See you next week. Goodbye. See, was that so hard? That was perfect. You were so well behaved. Inside of you, there are two hosts. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh god. Oh god, it's us. Uh, I've had a good dream about that once. Goodbye. Interesting. Goodbye. (laughs)